0: You're not going to put that on the show, are
1: you? I I didn't record it, unfortunately. No animals were harmed in the making
0: of this podcast. Except Chirag.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the two reasons. I'm Chirag. I'm Heaton. And boy, do we have...
0: We're very, very, very depressed. And we would like to presume that you are as well. And... is it our, like...
1: Shouldn't we have a role to play in, like, helping people not be depressed? Like, why are we... Or is it like a misery loves company, we'll be depressed with you?
0: Well, we're getting what we deserved, so, well...
1: Ooh, we're gonna play at that third, are we?
0: Oh, this is gonna be a hardcore episode.
1: So, I guess no prizes for guessing what we're gonna be talking about today. As Heetal Lapley put it, we're getting what we deserve.
0: That has to be the title of this
1: episode. <laughs> we're getting what we... At least we think we're getting what we deserve, right?
0: No, we definitely are. Definitely. Just, it's just sad that the vegans have to pay a higher price for something that the others do. Yeah, well, because our contribution to this is lesser, so automatically the gap increases between input and output. I have been doing some serious reading <laughs> while I've been at home.
1: So uh, maybe so something interesting that I came across uh, this week was an article uh, where they talked about they talked about previous uh, extremely contagious uh, diseases that we've suffered in the last decade or so, at least stuff that we all remember compared to previous say, pandemics, like um, the the Blue Plague or or something like that, where again, um, wiped out a huge population, but again, it's something that we don't necessarily maybe resonate with even though we've just read about it, Um, is how a lot of these, um, and today's pandemic as well, is animal to human. Uh, like, we we got it from from that, right? So you look at, and then the names are like that too, by the way, right? We had swine flu and then bird flu, mad cow disease. Um, so, and then now we've got this sort of, uh, what can be traced down to meat practices, a situation that we're dealing with now worldwide in in nothing short of a pandemic shutdown of the world in every way shape and form Um, and just uh, it was interesting because it put things into perspective for me I mean of course I know that and I understand that and there's been a lot of conversation you know when this originated in January especially in February about how uh, we need to revisit meat practices and how a lot of those uh, contributed to to where we are now Uh, but it was also interesting to just kind of look back at the last three or four of those and realize actually they all have the same kind of origin point. Um, And that tells a lot because, well, we haven't learned from any of those, you know, uh, which is probably why the scales have just gotten bigger and bigger every time.
0: It's interesting you say that, right? Because I've been doing the same kind of research and reading, and I'm sure everyone else is, right? Um, What you're talking about are essentially zoonotic diseases, is what they call them. Um, And... There's a big hue and cry about how the virus originated. Where did it originate from? Let's not be racist. Let's not be this. Let's not be that. But nobody wants to hear the truth. Mm. Um, So I did a bit of a reading myself just to kind of figure out how exactly... We all know it originated in China. Mm. We all know it originated in the wet market where wildlife is consumed. Um... I believe that strongly, that that's how it originated. And I also recall reading an article that there were... um, Somebody had raised this to China saying that there may be a, um, you know, there may be a case or two where somebody already has the coronavirus. Um, So you need to kind of, like, be careful. But... Fortunately or unfortunately, it did not transmit to humans, and so China did not take it seriously, and then here we are today. So I do believe that that's where it originated. Mm. There's nothing racist about it. Facing facts is not being racist. Had it originated in India or in America, we would have equally raised the facts Mm. ourselves.
1: Now, we have, by the way. like We we've, we've yeah, the had the virus in India, in India, if you yeah. remember. We've had the Spanish flu, for example, where again, uh, it's you know because it originated that way, colloquially, that's what everybody called it, right? And it was a pandemic as well, and, in similar light. So, I'd, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I know you've gotten into a few debates uh, with people about the fact that you mentioned, yeah, um, but specifically about the fact that you mentioned this uh, to people, and I think a lot of people took offense to it and stuff like that. And I don't know, I mean, it's one thing to like target uh, people of a certain country or so on because you know, their origin country may have had this problem. But it's another thing to call it a Chinese virus. Like It's another thing to say, hey, look, I mean, this origin in China. We're going to call it the Chinese virus or the Wuhan virus or any other search, such terminology. Uh, to me, those two things are different. Um, one is definitely racist, but the other one is, isn't.
0: So it's it's not just about the name, right? It's, it's just the fact that China, China as a country has very unusual eating habits. Now, I'm not saying in terms of animals, because then you can always argue that certain countries consume horse meat, certain countries consume alligator meat, certain countries consume... I don't know, whatever, ants and just insects and stuff, right? So there's nothing unusual, especially for a vegan, where all animals are the same, and that's the entire concept and things like that. But the fact that the Chinese believe um, that the more you torture an animal, the better the meat tastes. And again, you've read a lot, you've seen a lot of videos, right, where dogs are just being put into hot oil, being boiled alive, skinned alive, and I've been seeing these videos since I was 15. I think one of the videos that I first ever saw before um, <clears throat> during my awakening phase when I was uh, 15 or 16 years old uh, was, again, a video that originated in China where cats were being stuck on a tree branch, right? So they were kind of like tied down as a, as if they're hugging the tree and then they were skinned alive. Mm-hmm. So, and and the... Um, the description said that by doing so and because their blood is hot uh, the fur comes out nice right it's unusual and I don't like the fact that people keep saying that let's not let's not blame one country we're not blaming one country but we are in a stage where there is a particular country and its habits that affecting that is affecting the whole world right? If this were like, I don't know, XYZ or country or America or even India or whichever country, and the virus originated there, and there were unusual eating habits over there, we would have condemned that as well. But it's not, it's not a part of racism. And by saying that let's not face facts and let's not condemn it vocally, you're actually trying to, I don't know, um, maneuver around the issue, you're not talking about the main point, you're trying to be more politically correct, and that's why it is not as strong as it should be, you know. People should be really pissed off at this moment about where the virus originated, rather than being pissed off about, oh my god, I'm being isolated, and oh my god, nobody's allowing me to go out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but nobody's nobody's talking about it, nobody's furious, right, and why aren't we doing that? Because we are all scared of sounding politically incorrect, and, and I guess somewhere we just... We can't kind of see the lines between being politically incorrect and being factual.
1: Yeah, and this is exactly the distinction I was talking about as well. Like, and nobody's saying stop eating at Chinese restaurants, right? Like, that's not the point we're making at all. We're just merely pointing out that hey, there's been, like you said, there's been a set of practices. We've, I mean, we've talked about China so many times on the show, right? We were talking about uh, not only eating, but when it comes to testing and the kind of dilemma that that paints uh, uh, for. Uh, companies that want to be vegan companies that want to be cruelty free Uh, we've talked about that quite often and um, so that's an example there Uh, I again I think it's it's really weird I mean there's I think there's a there's a whole sort of underlying series of layers of what's been going on around the world and I think uh, from a narrative perspective I've definitely noticed some very interesting and bizarre patterns that have been coming out and this sort of deliberate attempt to shift Blame away from from this. I think that the average person is doing it because either because that's what they keep seeing and they get influenced by it, or the average person is just not aware or like, as you said, not furious enough or whatever it is. But they, and I don't mean just politicians, I mean even media and stuff like that, where I'm seeing a lot of these things, and I'm just like, how, how does this make sense? Like we've you know we had a situation where this thing was just kind of dismissed off as something as nothing. Um, you know, and you had sort of this inflow of people all over the world. That today is just, I mean, is literally like brought our entire, in, the entire world into shutdown. Uh, outside of the money that's getting wiped, I'm not even getting into that because those are for me, they're like future implications that will be discussed when when the time comes. But right now, we're just, all of us are sitting at home um, in these states of lockdown. People have lost jobs. Uh, people are losing livelihoods, left, right and center, right? Uh, people's businesses are being, I mean, they may never come back because of this.
0: People are dying.
1: Right. And then on top of that, people are dying. And it's insane, I mean, you have countries in Europe, and now you're looking at the US, as as the time we were recording this, as being like the new epicenters of of this problem.
0: Right, so going back a couple of points, um, so when I was trying to research as to how it originated, right, how exactly the virus came into existence, um, I found out a very um, informative article Um, surprisingly by CNN. Shocking. I'm going to kind of uh, say a few things that I found in that article. Um, So, basically, the origin was bats, right? That's the popular folklore. Again, certain theories are floating around where people are saying we don't know and this and that. Um, But I'm going to go ahead with this particular um, article because it has some really good sources. Okay, now, if you're looking at a mammal, uh, bats are the only mammals that can fly, right? And uh, bats usually, when they're flying, they, they spread in large numbers from one community, right? Pretty similar to humans. Um, and when they do that, they have the um, body mechanism to kind of carry more diseases and pathogens in general. Because when bats fly, their body requires to produce a lot of energy to enable them to fly. And when they do that, um, their immune systems become very specialized, right? So the immune systems are naturally very strong. Um, And what happens is that when they fly, then their body kind of mimics a fear. So their body temperature increases because they're using that much energy, which mimics a fear, And that kind of helps build their immunity, right? And this has been um, confirmed. All this information by now has been confirmed by the Professor of Wildlife Epidemiology at the Zoological Society of London. Okay, his name is Andrew Cunningham. Um, And he says that it happens at least twice a day with bats when they fly out to feed and then they return to roost. And so so the pathogens that have evolved in bats have evolved to withstand these peaks of body temperature right? Now, where does the problem lie? Um, so he says that it involves an alien phrase that we, ha- we will have to get used to, um, and that's called the zoonotic spillover, right? So the underlying cause is, um, of, the, of the spillover is basically from bats and other species, like you mentioned earlier, which is, I don't know, mad cow disease or swine flu or whatever, um, have almost always been shown to be human behavior. So when a bat is stressed by being hunted or being captured for human use, um, or his habitat is being damaged by deforestation, um, its immune system is challenged, and it finds it harder to cope with the pathogens that its body is producing. So that's impact of stress in bats is basically what happens with people. Right, so when you're, very lame in terms, when you're stressed, you're bound to become sicker, you're bound to lose weight, because your body cannot fight it, because you're too stressed. It's it's the same thing with bat, because even they're mammals. Right, and now because the, the bat is not able to kind of turn on its defense mechanism to these diseases, in a wild market where it is being forced to kind of interact with other species, and it's forced to interact with humans and just be in a very stressful environment. It completely breaks down and it starts releasing releasing these pathogens in air, right? Now, when I when I read about this, this absolutely makes sense, right? It makes scientific sense. It does. It's not some theory or it's not some emotional woo woo over here that we are trying to look at. Um. So just kind of like wanted to put it out there that it's not I know a lot of vegans are like oh my god um uh, d- zoonotic diseases wouldn't have existed if the world were vegan that's true <clears throat> probably there would have been some other kind of disease there must have been something right considering we're eight billion of us we would have um kind of yeah, stepped on I mean, yeah. stepped on some uh, animal or something but uh the chances of such zoonotic diseases would be much, much, much lesser. And it does not happen because people think that eating meat uh, causes this, but it is because of the way we handle that meat, and it's because of the way that certain people want to eat everything and anything Um, And which brings me to the point of factory farming where people are like, oh, okay, then what's wrong with cows and stuff like that because we eat beef every other day. But what people don't realize is that all the animals that are raised in factory farming are injected with hormones and antibiotics on a daily basis, like huge amounts of it, right? And that's why you don't see all these viruses and diseases being as common as you would see in a wet, wild market. Which kind of brings me to my next point and my last point is that what happens is that because we are injecting a lot of these farm animals with antibiotics our body stops resisting it right and in the future when there will be more of these zoonotic diseases which there will be if people don't change uh, we are not capable of eating antibiotics and protecting ourselves anymore Right? So either medical science has to come up with some really brilliant alternative, or we just die.
1: With that gloomy picture painted, there may be people that don't necessarily believe there was bats specifically that originated. It's the practices in the meat markets that led to this. That's the generally agreed consensus that that's where all of this originated
0: and mixing of the species.
1: Correct. And I think that there is, a, there is a problem there anyway in terms of just the fact that that exists. Why does that exist? That exists because it's catering to us as humans because we have all these fetishes when it comes to meat. Right? Um, I was talking to someone recently about sort of some of this stuff and they're like, look, you know, even if you take a step back, even if you don't go like that zoomed into this particular issue, you take a step back. And we've talked about this on the show many times. As you mentioned, 8 billion of us here we're stressing the environment out, whether we, like, I mean, whether we can see and admit it, or we want to have blinkers on and don't realize it. I mean, for me, the this joke about the the beef industry in particular, but any uh, even the regular meat industry. The fact is that not only are these factory farmed animals being, as you said, injected with hormones and other things, and 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 raised in very inhumane ways, because again, this misnomer of there's a humane way to kill an animal is both hilarious and sometimes just out downright effing bizarre, um, is also the fact that to, to keep those animals alive, to feed them, to they grow through their cycles, we have to deforest just to do that as well. Uh, beyond just the fact that we have to then also grow veggies and, and other stuff for humans anyway, because by the way, like all the meat eaters do eat veggies or at least spices or whatever that they need. To get this stuff done, so that's another matter entirely. But the fact that again you have to feed these animals, and I mean the amount of forest land that is wiped away because you're you're uh, you're growing cattle fodder, chicken feed, um, and other such things, is also by the way a, a huge reason towards deforestation. And this is a topic that came up a lot during the Amazon rainforest fires, about how deforestation was. Was led and and we we I, I have gotten into this uh, discussion point so many times to be like well you know uh, a plate of meat can give you so much more than a subsequent plate of plants and therefore it's it's uh, whatever lower footprint to eat the meat and I'm like no it isn't because in addition to the fact that the meat needs veggies anyway so let's start there so you still have to grow veggies you can't take them off the planet but secondly the amount of uh, you know the amount of agricultural land you need for that meat to be produced is just is is three times as much because they eat a lot of they eat a lot. Um, so we have a lot of things all along. And again, we're talking eight billion population. Think of tremendous demand. Then you have like a the problem again. <laughs> the funny thing about eight billion people is that even one percent of them enjoy a particular delicacy, a particular exotic meat. 1% doesn't sound like much, but 1% of 8 billion. That's a lot of people right there, right? So you're, you're, you are going to stress the environment out.
0: Yeah. And um, it's quite interesting you raised this point about fetish, right? My mind has been like working around it since you mentioned the word. Um, and there was a book that was written by um, Carol J. Adams in the 90s, I think in 1990 to be precise, called The Sexual Politics of Meat. She primarily spoke about what we spoke about uh, in one of our episodes in the past about why men eat meat versus why women eat meat, right? No, I think even before that when we were doing um, the stereotypes, stereotypes, that's when we spoke about it, right? We spoke about toxic masculinity and meat eating, right? And she basically speaks about it. She speaks it from a vegetarian perspective because it was the 90s. And um, she talks about feminism and things like that. Um, the point I'm making is that obviously because of that, there are more men that eat meat than there are women, right? And you've seen out there when you get uh, on social media, when you have people coming out in scores saying that, oh my God, you're such a sissy. You, I can't believe you. It's mostly men, right? They, they, for women, eating meat is just taste and that's it. For men, it's more than that, right? It's it's the guy who goes out there. He's the hunter. He's the guy. It's who, a certain
1: quantity of meat. It's the double cheeseburger. It's the double. this. It's yeah, the double
0: he's mat. he's yeah. the man who's just gonna go out there and be a uh, be the center of every barbecue party and just kind of like make his meat. That's his only contribution, right? Uh, whereas all the work has already been done by the woman. But um, I had I had to fit in there, come on, she does all, she does all the chopping, buying, marinating, and then you just go and fucking put it on the grill. Um, Anyway, um, interestingly, statistics say that coronavirus has affected more men than women. 70% of coronavirus deaths in Italy have been men. Mm -hmm. Uh, Data from China shows 64% of deaths in uh, tens of thousands of cases were male compared to 36% female. And 54% of fatalities were men in South Korea. I mean, this pretty much screams the trend that is out there, right? They're all at some stage interrelated to each other right? And I, I, I honestly don't know how to conclude this, but you see where I'm getting at, right? I mean, if there is one particular theory, and of course, coronavirus has brought in a lot of theories that we've been trying to explain for years now, um, and everything is just like out there in front of you, you just choose to see it or you choose to ignore it. But you can't just look at it one dimensionally. It's all associated with something or the other. It's all associated with um, how good or how bad your immunity is based on how much meat you eat because again, antibiotic uh, resistance and things like that. So I just want to kind of like, if there are non-vegans listening to this episode, just kind of tell them that keep an open mind and try and understand where all this is coming from. It's not a straight line, right? It's a circle and everything is like kind of, all, everything is just related to each other. I keep saying this, but yeah, that's it.
1: No, and I, I, I mean, obviously, agree with you. But also, anyway, when you're saying like, you know, if there are non-vegans listening to this, I think what's important here is, and I, th- and I'm hearing this obviously, I'm hearing this conversation over and over again, and again, you know, there, there are times when, i you know, it's not the right time right now to sort of pick these fights. Sometimes when you feel like it, but. Uh, you know, there's some, I've seen some people post about it, like, oh my God, like, can you imagine the kind of meat practices China has? And I know the person is a non-vegetarian, right? Like, and I'm just like, uh, here we, we're we doing the same thing again, where it's like, oh, it's okay to eat one species and another species, but it's not okay to eat this one or cats. You can't eat cats. What the hell is cats? But Hey, hold on. I'm going to run for my steak meal. Um, or oh, that was just brilliant. Right. So, so there is this little thing that I, again, we'll probably address on a different, <laughs> we'll, we'll, I'm sure it'll come up again on a different episode. Um, but I, I'm seeing a lot of conversation around, and this happened, I think, during the forest fires as well. Uh, it's kind of like a, a drastic incident like this is what makes people open their eyes and go, oh, hmm, I guess something we're doing isn't, isn't quite right, or something we're doing isn't quite working for the environment and for the earth. Uh, we should do something about that, right? Like, we should really do something about that. But I do wonder if, you know, when the cognitive dissonance kicks back in again after a few months and oh, things, will. you know, and things will go back to normal and yeah, it, this time around it's going to take six months or eight months maybe, uh, but then you know, people go about their ways and then be like, oh, but you know, it was just convenient to eat that chicken roll and those things kind of like, you, you start going back to distancing yourself from the fact that um, and I think there's a danger here as well where there's this conversation around, oh, well, China, exotic meats, that's a difficult area. My chicken, my beef, my uh, my lamb chops are fine. And so there's there's also going to be a little bit of that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's good that people are talking about it. It's good that people are kind of looking at all of this as an impact situation. Be like, oh, look at the impact we're having on the environment. Um, you know, there's been a lot of conversation as well over the last week or two weeks about the fact that everybody's been in lockdown and working from home in most countries, and you see pollution levels and and um, just general emissions are, are and dolphins. Well, the dolphins, but uh, I, I don't know. There was a big it. De- debunking it later, so I don't know what. I fun. believe
0: it because there were some uh, dolphins that showed up in the Mumbai beaches as well, which is very unlikely. Like it can't be a, it can't be a clip from two or five years ago, right?
1: Right, and even um, I mean I, I know someone from Italy who was like, you know, I, I have relatives who looked out their window and they could see the bottom off the lake, and they've never seen that in years, at least not in our lifetimes. Um, and I think it's it's kind of like a very, it's such a visual, like, it's something like we've been, tell, we've been saying this for so long. Yeah. And it's funny that it's like it took the fact that it happened for people to be like, oh, I guess if we work from home and not fly five hours for a one-hour meeting, uh, emissions will drop,
0: right? Like, oh. <laughs> what? I fly five hours for one-hour meetings. No, you don't. Uh, for two days workshop that could easily be done online.
1: Well, there's that, but right? and I think you'll see a lot of that rejigging. Hopefully, uh, mm-hmm. even if it's just a forced rejigging because there's no money to send people on flights anymore. But um, but yeah, so I think it's it's and it's so interesting, right? Like we're having all these conversations. I do I do worry about like I said I do worry about the cognitive dissonance that will set in eventually. But right now it's it's we don't nobody wants this kind of a situation to exist for people's eyes to be opened, but. The truth of the matter is, people's eyes are opened suddenly now. I guess they have a lot of time on their hands too, um, in terms of that. But you're right. Um, I will go back to that point, which is: it is interesting that people are not furious, like downright livid. That like this is this is not something that just happened. This was done to you.
0: You did this to yourself. Yeah. 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 Well, I don't know, being the pessimist that I am, I feel like in six months, as you said, everything will be back to normal. People will forget about it. They'll they'll grieve about what happened and then they'll just go back to their... I mean, forget after this is over, right? Right now, you still see certain people not taking this seriously, right? There was somebody on one of the Facebook pages. I have to make one Facebook reference every episode she was complaining about placing an order and it's been a week and she's pissed off at the customer service. And I'm like, are you serious? I mean, okay, I get it that you need essentials, but there are people out there, they're not robots who are doing your work, right? There are actual human beings who aren't allowed to stay at home like the privileged you are. um, And they have to... And there's not just one person like you they're dealing with. There are like millions of them that they're dealing with, right? Because all the supermarkets and malls are closed and people are essentially ordering online. So either you plan better or you um, adjust a little bit and compromise or you just shut up. But being out there, showing your privilege, right? And this is the problem with um, humans, we have this separate kind of privilege and superiority that we need to kind of throw our weight around everywhere. And this is what we do with animals as well.
1: So, yeah, It's extremely symptomatic. I mean, we I know we've, we've talked about this in between over the last couple of weeks as we've just been kind of catching up over these things. We have all these people breaking lockdowns. We have people like not obeying curfews.
0: And it's interesting, right? Even HIV came because of all of this. Like we've been... Yeah, humans have been, de- yeah, humans have been, been dealing in-
1: this for a long time, actually. We've
0: been ignoring nature's hints for a very, very long time, like HIV, SARS, MERS. By um, the way, I mean, people, I, w- I would say they're people. not
1: hints, they're like slap in the faces, by the way. Like but we ignored it because
0: yeah. we were like, okay, as long as it's happening in that country, we don't care, yeah. right? Um, this is the first time when the virus is like, screw your country, I'm <laughs> just going to go everywhere. <laughs> um, but initially, or before this, all the viruses were restricted to certain areas and certain um, demographics I, just, I just, it's just shocking
1: yeah I don't know man I I think you I mean is you make this is a such an important thing we don't really learn and I think you know like there there will be people uh, unfortunately right like uh, obviously a lot of people have died already and um, God forbid but there will be more right and I think if you're impacted if your family is impacted you um, you will reel for longer, as is the case as you mentioned with AIDS or SARS or other diseases. But then, if you scrape through, if you distance yourself, you'll remember this as a phase where you stayed at home for two weeks or three weeks, and that's it. And I mean, even then, people are not happy. I mean, we—can we'll, you imagine? Can you imagine when SARS was on, or or when when um, uh, even if you go really back, like to things like the Spanish flu and other pandemics? Right, we live in an age where, like you know, we're all living in houses. We've all got internet, and Netflix exists with, you know, tens of thousands of hours of content. And we're sitting here complaining about the fact that we've put in, we've been put in isolation. I just, I mean, this is this entire week, my mind has just been boggling.
0: So, um, what do you think should be done now, here on? What is what is your advice to just everyone?
1: Wow, I don't, I don't know if I'm even, <laughs> Not, I don't know if I'm in the position to. Well, but I. I think the first thing, and this is something, uh, I mean, I'm hoping that there there isn't someone who's listening to this who is thinking about stepping out. Uh, but if you are, like, please, for the love of God, stay home. Right? Like, there are ways. Most of us, and I, and this, I'm I'm saying this on the basis of the fact that we know at least roughly where our listeners come from. Most of us live in countries that have decent facilities when it comes to. You, from everything from good internet connections to deliveries of things to access to even things like groceries and pharmacies and all of this stuff, you know, keep it to essentials and just there is really no need. We can all survive for two weeks, you know, catch up on all of our Netflix specials and go brain dead. It's fine, honestly. Like, it's really okay. But please don't go around infecting other people. Please don't go around just throwing caution to the wind because you feel like, you know, you've heard the fact that, like, if you're young, you're not going to be infected, or or whatever. Like, this is, I mean, the chain reaction of this thing is insane. You hear, I mean, the number of messages from from governments, from authorities, from other people. Uh, we had the Bush Khalifa light up yesterday with the hashtag, stay home, right? Like, the number of messages. Uh, you know, people, you can have your viewpoints and your thoughts about a lot of these things, but, like, everybody's not crazy. Everybody's not out to get you. Everybody's not trying to stifle you in particular. We're just trying to, quote unquote, break the chain, flatten the curve, you call whatever it is that you want to call it. Um, It's so important that we don't go by, we have countries as examples where things have literally gone to a point where you know you you don't want to be human. And I think that it's ridiculous that we think like, oh my God, I need my beach time. Is really the priority. So I think that's where we need to start. Um, but as a larger context, I feel, and I do think that like everybody, all businesses, everybody kind of needs to just halt and think about what they're doing to the environment. Like instantaneously, it has to be the quickest possible thing. It's It continues to be crazy to me that, I mean, you look at the big car manufacturers, man. Are you seriously telling me they don't have the R&D to build an electric car? Like it drives me crazy even to this day that it took a Tesla to find a profitable model and they had to, he had to be independent from uh, the car ecosystems. That's why he doesn't deal with dealers and whatever, 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 to be able to build a successful model for an EV. Okay, since then you've had other cars. You have your your Renault has one and Nissan has one and and uh, whatever, Chevy has one and so on and so forth. Um are you telling me car manufacturers that are way more luxury, way more this, way more that compared to them? Like they haven't figured out a way to make a feasible EV? Like what are we saying? But there's just been no no desire to solve that problem. It's not lucrative to solve that problem. And I, this like every business practice. I mean, it's like you know, it takes like a you know citizen campaign to figure out that oh man, we shouldn't serve straws. Like it takes a whale to show up with fifteen kilos of plastic to be like, man, okay, fine. Like I guess we'll do something about plastic. And there's still campaigns. They're like, Oh, you know, in six months, we'll do X. I has to be faster than that, man. Like, it's crazy to me that we're not doing that. And if this is the time when you're sitting at home and racking your brain with ideas, you know what, like use it to come up with ideas that are cheaper, that are better, that are better for the environment, better for the people, better for everybody. Or like, stop, stop what, what it is that you're doing. You don't need to have a hundred items on your menu. Uh, if you can if you can get away by doing 20 items really good that are all sustainable and and, and good and uh, and all of that or or at least you know um, source locally and all of that stuff and if that limits you to 20 dishes dude that's fine you know so it's it's that kind of thing and we are going to live through a life uh, or we're going to live through a, a phase where I mean people are not going to be able to spend for a long time right Expecting to reopen, uh, I don't know, a, a fancy place with uh, a specialist beef flown down from wherever the hell the yeah the fancy beef that you feed beer to comes from, or whatever it is that they do. Uh, like you, I think I think a lot of places will be forced to rethink these models because there's not going to be demand for it, not for a long time.
0: Yeah, but like simultaneously there needs to be more lobbying done on um, the government level, on the authorities level, on the people who are powerful. And we all know there's just like probably one or two percent up there who pretty much run the world, right? And there has to be... Sorry? Who run the world? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's going to happen another hundred years and we'll be there. So uh, those authorities also need to kind of like buck up and do something. Because if you notice, every kind of law that we make, every kind of regulation that we make, every kind of social social justice movement that is out there conveniently ignores non-human animals, right? There is never any talk of them in any kind of political discussions in any kind of uh, regulatory discussions in just day-to-day life, right? They're just... They're just so intentionally ignored and just put aside like they don't exist. And that's what needs to change, firstly. And I don't know who changes whom. Does the authority change the citizen or does the citizen change the authority? But both of them need to kind of go out there and acknowledge that there are other beings on this planet besides us. And if we don't live in harmony with them, then we're doing the planet and everything else. And if you don't care about it, you're eventually dooming yourself, right? All this while, people are like, I don't care about uh, lions were there on this No, sorry, cows were there on this planet to feed me. And if God did not want me to eat meat, then why did he make it out of flesh? And everyone else is around me is here to feed me. But this is the time where nature or your God or your energy or whoever you want to call it is like, Get lost. You're not as important as you think you are. Go stay inside. Right? I, I, one of the memes that I like. There's so many of them floating around. Right? Like that. This is. This seems like God has asked all of us to go back into our rooms and think about what we've done. Right? And that's so true. Um. So I guess that's one thing that needs to be done on a on a larger scale. Of course, on the lower scale, whatever you mentioned, I agree with that as well. But we kind of need to start bringing non-human animals into our discussions the environment into our discussions, the planet into our discussions and see how every action of ours is affecting, right? Whether it is what you eat, how much you breed, um, what you're consuming. Is it a necessity? Is it a luxury? Is it a privilege? Um, do I really need that cow that is drinking beer in New Zealand to come on my plate? Can I survive without it? Yes, I can. Then how will I do that? And so on. So I guess there has to be a much, much larger and a more serious discussion. Well,
1: I hope that, uh, you know, everybody sort of takes something away from that. And, uh, I mean, you know, I think we've, through the podcast, but I know we do it in our lives too. We've been trying in every little way, but honestly, like, there are so many times when you and me have struggled with stuff, right? Like you're trying to get a restaurant to give you something that's not plastic. And like, you get stuck in, in these practical loops sometimes, right, with these things. And I feel like, Again, this is the time to rejig. you've got, you've got a chance. but to everybody out there, you know, stay indoors for heaven's sake, like this is not the time to show bravado. Um, maybe it's time to show bravado when this is done and you lobby for some of these things that that's when you can show the real bravado and then kind of um, stand for the right thing at that point in time uh, rather than trying to prove that you know you can walk out and defy social distancing. Okay, well, that's it from us. Um, you can reach us. I mean, I would actually, honestly, like if you guys are sitting around, it would be interesting to hear from you. You can hit us up at the vegans on Instagram. Um, yeah. You know, we'll be happy to chat with you about things you're doing in isolation. Maybe you're making some fun vegan recipes. Share with people.
0: What I'd like to know is how has your thought process changed in all of this? How much are you thinking about it? How deep are you thinking about it? And what is, is, it, is your light bulb moment when you're like yeah. oh my god this is now coming into play this is something I haven't been thinking about and yeah what
1: is it actionable that we can do maybe yeah. what do you want to do differently when this is all done with
0: cool to next time bye bye, bye.